What's up, folks? I'm Anubis, and this is Otakonomics, the Otaku Business Podcast. Breaking down the business behind anime and demystifying it. So for this episode, what we're going to talk about is the home video market in Japan when it comes to anime and what that means for the home video market here when it comes to anime. So a lot of the time when you hear about Japanese anime releases, home video releases, people get, like, people get wild about how, how can Japan afford to put out, like, two, two episode volumes for $70 a release, when the equivalent over here is, like, we will get an entire series for $70 a lot of the time. And what that goes back to is the history of home video for anime and in Japan. So back when home video hit the the Japanese market, it was assumed, and this is this is talking broadly, it was assumed that niche media would sell relatively few copies. So for the most part, you see a lot of the the more niche stuff would sell mostly to uh home video rental stores. Now, the thing about video rental stores is that they pay a premium for their merchandise. Video rental stores generally don't just have, like, a regular copy of a given, a given home video release. The rationale behind this is that the video rental store will eventually make this money back through rental fees. Because they're renting it out to person after person. They're making more money off of it. So distributors can justify selling it for more to them. Because these stores stand to profit from it. What they found was the otaku market is so passionate about their anime. And so much wants to own the the anime they like. That they're willing to buy it even at video rental store prices. So, the the initial assumption that niche media would sell relatively few copies was somewhat incorrect when it came to otaku, but the pricing model stuck. And the reason the pricing model stuck is because, one, the, the otaku were buying it anyway, and two, even when attempts were made to expand the market through lowering the price, that actually resulted in reduced revenue Simple for the simple fact that the lower prices didn't entice people who weren't already buying the stuff to, to continue to start buying the stuff. So what happened was they had a, they had an embedded fan base, they had an embedded consumer base that were basically going to buy the stuff no matter what because of the level of passion for what was being put out. So as a result, the home video anime industry could basically run off of otaku passion for quite a while. They didn't need to, they didn't need to do what other markets did, have, had to do like scramble for ways to increase revenue. Because Osaka would just buy the anime they like, sight unseen regardless, because they want to own it. 
So you see a lot of, as you saw a lot of other sectors of that industry fall, otaku media and anime continued to rise just because they had that level of fan base. The the fan base would buy the stuff regardless. Even as more mainstream, more mainstream consumer bases kind of would let their stuff, would let their entertainment fall by the wayside. Even during a recessionary environment, otaku media continued to rise while almost every other sector of the Japanese economy fell. So you've got that. You've got that entire paradigm of otaku media being a premium. It's it's definitely a luxury good, and it's definitely one that continues to be a luxury good, regardless of regardless of the economic environment outside of it. For the simple fact that its consumers are on some level fundamentally irrational in their consumption of this media. On some level, there's a, there's a, I want this thing no matter what mentality going on in, in the otaku subculture that encourages the consumption of this media regardless of its price and regardless of what might need to be sacrificed in order to in order to continue consuming that media at the level that they do. Like I I did an article on Yashike a while ago. I think this was back in August for Otaku Pride Month. Talking about why why fandom is two of two of them. It's why fandom requires discipline and principles of an otaku lifestyle. And what I laid out in these two articles was that the way otaku structure their lives and the way that otaku interact with the things they like is in some ways irrational, but in other ways very structured and disciplined. But just valuing something different than a lot of other more mainstream lifestyles value. So... What it comes down to is they're willing to do what's necessary to pay these prices in order to, in order to own what they want to own in terms of anime, in terms of character goods, in terms of all this other stuff. So, and it's in many ways in contrast to how we like to do things here in the West and especially the United States. It's, you can see it in the difference between things like Funko Pops versus Nendoroids. So you've got Funko Pops that are about $10, $20 a piece. And yeah, it's generally a, it's a vinyl figure. All of them have the same, for the most part, basic look to them, basic, basically like character structure. They're just kind of dressed and colored like the individual characters. Whereas if you look at something like Nendoroids, they're, again, all following the same kind of very basic character design, but all a lot more, 
a lot more akin to how the original character looks. They're they're of a higher quality. Generally, they tend to come with accessories, and they also tend to be a great deal more expensive at around fifty dollars at the low end. So there's a contrast there between how how the how the West interacts with fandom media and how Jap- the Japanese otaku subculture interacts with fandom media. And right after the break here, what we're going to do is break down what the what the Japanese home vi- home video media paradigm means for the American anime home video media paradigm. So keep it right here. We'll be right back after this short word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you in part by She's Lost Control Media. She's Lost Control Media is a business planning consultancy specializing in meeting the specific needs of artists, creators, and entrepreneurs in fandom spaces. Whether you're an artist looking to make a business of your craft, a content creator looking to make your content more than just a hobby, or a fan looking to take your fandom to the next level, you can visit she'slostcontrol.media and we'll see how we can help you out. So we touched on the East-West differences in terms of things like collector product quality. But let's talk directly about anime, DVDs, and Blu-rays. So... Here in the, here in the western side of things, I see two very distinct business models when it comes to, uh, home video releases of anime. And I call these the mass market business model and the collector business model or the premium business model. Now, the primary distinction is in terms of price and in terms of the basic composition of the release, like what you get when you buy whatever Blu-ray you're going for. What I mean by that is, in the mass market model, what you see are, okay, you're going to get the whole thing for 70 bucks, maybe, 50 50 60 is more the average and you're basically just going to get the show on blu-ray and that's about it there there might be some extras in there but for the most part you're just paying for the show on blu-ray whereas with the collector business model you're you're more so gonna pay upwards of a hundred dollars for the release, but you're you're gonna get something extra in there, even if it's just a, a few art cards or some extras on the disc. And it's gonna be a high quality release, but you're gonna pay a hundred something dollars, maybe even more so if it's a big series. And so you, with the mass market business model, what you're looking at are 
companies like Funimation, companies like Media Blasters, uh, with the collective business model, you're looking more at Anaplex of America and some companies like Pony Canyon, which tried this, uh, NIS America, which tried this as well to, to varying, varying levels of success. So if you're looking at Anaplex of America releases, for example, don't expect to pay less than like $180 that I'm seeing right now on sale at Right Stuff for the complete Fate Zero. Don't expect to pay less than $250 for the complete Sword Art Online Alicization Blu-ray. Don't expect to pay less than $100 for Rascal Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai without a dub. And and part of that is because they can expect the people who are buying these anime to have, one, already seen it, and two, to want to own the anime because that's that's just what they do. They're the kind of people who... So, streaming really changed things, especially in terms of the way we consume anime. Because previously, it was back in the early, mid to late 2000s, buying stuff on DVD was more or less a primary way of consuming anime for a lot of people. And this is back when, this is back a, a couple business models ago, where the primary way of releasing anime was in individual volumes, and then maybe you might get a collection later on down the line. But you would see individual volumes of... Uh, I know somewhere, in some box somewhere, I've got like volume one of Inuyasha, volume one of Negima. You, you see these individual volumes at video stores and they'd cost like $30 a pop if you're $30 a pop at the mid-range end and what happened was this business model just became unsustainable and a couple companies went under not not just because of this business model that they were following but because of some other stuff too but you would see you, we we lost a couple companies. We lost Central Park Media. We lost ATV, and this business model eventually evolved into more of what we see today, where the primary way of releasing anime is in complete sets or at the very least in half sets. At Bandai Entertainment, a while ago, basically refused to give up that individual volume business model and they're a company that went under directly because of that business model because their stuff just wasn't selling because nobody was selling nobody else was selling it that way and nobody was buying it that way so streaming really changed things in that buying disc releases is no longer the primary way of watching anime we stream everything now so as a result you have a lot fewer people buying discs because they don't need to they don't need to own the stuff just to be able to watch it they can somewhat reliably 
rely on things being available on their streaming platform of choice. The people left buying discs are the people who want to own discs because that's what they do. That's how they, not necessarily how they consume their media, but that's what they do with their media is they like to own it. They like to have, on some level, they like to have that security of being able to watch it whenever they want. But on another level, it's that otaku drive I was talking about before the break that they want to own it because that's what they do and that's how they interact with their media is they like to, they like to be able to turn around and look at their shelf full of anime. They like to ha- be able to put that out on display. And one of the reasons that the, the collector business model is sort of taking off is that if that business model facilitates that display mentality. So I, I talked about Funimation being in the mass market and companies like Anaplex of America being in the collector market. Curiously enough, Sentai Filmworks does both. They have the mass market releases that are their bare bones. They just have the disc. And quite often they pack as many episodes as they can onto one disc. So you'll have like most of the series is for like a 12 episode series. You'll have most of the series on one disc and then the rest of the, the last like four episodes on another. And it'll, it'll be kind of, I've heard reports of that kind of hampering the video quality. I haven't, Honestly, I'm not a videophile and I haven't really investigated that, but those are reports I've heard from people who have no reason to lie to me about that. But you'll also see from them that they do these more collector-focused releases where they will package up the, package up the disc in a nice packaging, in a nice box with a whole lot of extras. I bought the Amagi Brilliant Park uh, limited edition and that came with a whole bunch of extras that re- that normally retails at $180 and that comes with a whole bunch of like a whole bunch of extra stuff like it's got the the authenticity card where every set is numbered it's got sticker sheets. It's got the. It's got a couple books in it, an art book. It had. It even has like a little fold-out board game packaged in with the with the disc box. So you're getting quite a bit, and it's quite clearly for people who are already fans of Moggy Brilliant Park, and that's that gets into the other element the other difference between the mass market and the consumer business models for the mass market business model to be successful. You have to do a lot of marketing because you're trying to get it to sell to as many people as possible. And as a result, you're going to have to make sure that people know you're carrying this and know that they can get it from your business. Whereas with the collector business model, you basically don't need to do quite as much marketing. You basically don't need to do any marketing at all 
because you can rely on your consumers to be savvy enough to know where to get whatever they're looking for. So you, you see Funimation do a lot of marketing surrounding, surrounding themselves and somewhat surrounding their, their Blu-ray, their disc release business. You don't really see quite as much at all from Aniplex of America. Because Aniplex can rely on their customers to have already watched the anime they're looking for on streaming platforms, and they can rely on their customers being savvy enough to know that they, this is where they, they're gonna get the show they're looking for on Blu-ray, and this is how much it's gonna cost. And they can rely on their consumers to be willing to pay that price for it. You saw a lot of people back in the day have a lot of flack for Aniplex of America back when they took back the Fullmetal Alchemist license and back when they took back the Gurren Lagann license and released their premium sets for it. And that was the reason is because they're marketing to people, they're marketing to a different demographic of people than who might have previously bought those releases. Or, more more to the point, might not have previously bought those releases because they're not the kind of people who buy a whole lot of anime. So while they got hated on, that eventually died down, and they knew that the market would bear the price that they were asking for these releases. So, as far as I know, they've been doing fine. Now, the issue is you need some powerful titles with a lot of, with a lot of pull behind them as far as passionate anime fans, Western otaku. Because otherwise, you're not, you're not gonna sell enough, uh, enough units, even if you're catering to a niche fan base, you're not gonna sell enough units to one, justify your asking price, and two, sustain your business. So, Pony Canyon tried the same thing as Aniplex did. They tried to establish an American branch to sell directly to the Western fan base, and they didn't do quite as well because they just purely didn't have the the titles behind them to justify that asking price. Like, give me a second, let me look up one of their titles. Because, yeah, so here, so no one's gonna, you're, you're not gonna see very many people out here who are gonna be willing to pay $89, $90 for the first volume of, first of three volumes of Denki Gai no Honya-san. It's not gonna happen. You, there, there aren't enough of, there aren't enough people willing to do that to sustain Pony Canyon's business model. And, honestly, that's, that's not Pony Canyon's fault. They saw, they just didn't understand why what Anaplex do, was doing was working for Anaplex. Now, you might see some people out here willing to do that for Sound Euphonium, but, 
one title was not enough to sustain Pony Canyon's business model, and to my knowledge, they're not really doing a whole lot in the U.S. anymore as a result. Uh, NIS America had... NIS America met with more success than Pony Canyon did, but to my knowledge, not nearly as much as Anaplex of America, and I don't think they're doing a whole lot of releases in the U.S. anymore either. Now, that's not to say, however, that the mass market business model is the way to go into the future. If you ask me what I think will be the direction for the home video market for anime over here, is that it'll actually tend more toward the collector business model because you have this race to the bottom with the mass market. See, as streaming continues to proliferate, then and gets more and more convenient, you eventually see less and less people buying discs just because it becomes a needless hassle when streaming is convenient, streaming is everywhere, and everything is available via streaming. As a result, if you're in the home video market and you want to sustain your business, you have one of two choices. You can either cut costs, make the things cheaper to produce, and market more trying to get more people to buy them and what this results in is a race to the bottom where okay less people are buying discs so we need to make these things cheaper to produce we need to put more money into marketing so more people buy them but that's not a guarantee and as fewer people buy discs then you're eventually going to have to cut almost everything until there's nothing left to cut your other choice is to cater to the people who are most willing to continue buying discs. And that, truth be told, that's going to be more difficult. Those people are going to be more demanding. You're not going to be able to just do whatever you want with the release. You're going to have to spend a lot of time, effort, and invest a lot in these releases. But you also get to charge more. And you also get more loyal customers who are willing to spend the money on what you're putting out because what you're put, putting out is high quality and exactly what they want. So in terms of companies in the West doing this, I think Sentai Filmworks is doing a good job putting out its limited edition releases. I think they did, I think they made a extremely good call getting the Legend of the Galactic Heroes release. I think they made an extremely good call making that a high a high level high quality premium release and I think they did a good job on what they're doing there. I think they're doing a good job with what they're doing otherwise in the in the collector premium business sector. And I'm I'm wary of companies like Funimation not just because they're on it's just because they've, they have a history of releases of questionable quality, doing highly questionable things in their dubs, doing highly questionable things in their marketing, and altogether positioning themselves and presenting themselves inadvertently, definitely, but presenting themselves as a very sketchy company on the whole. But what I'm also concerned about with regard to their disc release business model is their commitment to the mass market. 
they're definitely all in on streaming, but they seem to be committed to this mass market business model. Their premium releases are scarce, and you and we're seeing a lot of their regular releases push to their discount their discount labels very quickly, much more quickly than in the past. So that's a concern. But generally speaking, I I think that the future for Blu-ray releases, disc releases, physical media in the West is in the premium and collector business model. Just for simple fact that it it's a business model that doesn't rely on volume, but does rely on a commitment to quality, and it kind of makes everyone happy. Because when you have to cut quality in order to sell to more people, that's going to make the business selling it happy. But as, after a certain while, it starts to make nobody else happy. Whereas if you're, if you're, if you've got the, the titles to back it up and you've got the quality to back it up, you can charge these premium prices for it. And what happens is the consumer's happy because they get exactly what they want. The business is happy because they don't need to spend a whole lot of money on marketing. They don't need to spend a whole lot of time figuring out how to cut costs. Literally all they need to do is put out a good product and the fans will find it and the fans will buy it because it's exactly what they want. In any case, that'll do it for this episode. I'd like to thank you for listening to Otakunomics. You can find more at iashike.moe forward slash otakunomics. we got a lot more in the pipeline. We're excited to bring it to you. Stay tuned. <laughs>